Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson and in this episode I've got an interview with Dr. Carol Sinnett. Carol is a Senior Clinical Research Associate at the Healthcare Improvement Studies Institute at the University of Cambridge. We were able to talk about her new paper just published in the BJGP, Operational Failures and How They Influence the Work of GPs, a Qualitative Study in Primary Care. The thing I really want to emphasise about this study is that the title perhaps doesn't get across just how important it is to GPs. Um, if you want to understand stress, burnout, if you want to understand how to develop uh, your services which take care of your workforce, if you have any desire to improve services at any level, then I think this is an incredible paper. Um, and I think it should be read by GPs. Carol certainly mentions that later in the interview. And I think it should be read by commissioners as well. I started by asking Carol to describe to us what exactly are operational failures. Thanks, Ian. So um, a, an operational failure uh, is defined in the literature, at least as a problem or a disruption in the supply of information or equipment or materials to any employees. But obviously, we're interested in this paper in the supply of information or materials to healthcare professionals, specifically GPs. And this disruption in the supply of what they need to do their work interferes with their ability to get on with their work. So it stops them from being as efficient as they could be um, if, if the system that they were working in had been designed and was operating perfectly. Tell us a little bit about where the idea first came from. Yeah, so um, I, I'm an academic GP working in Cambridge and I work with Mary Dixon Woods there. And the concept was actually originally developed in, in hospital nursing literature back in the early 2000s in the US. And a series of studies conducted with hospital nurses showed that, that up to 10% of their time each day was wasted through operational failures. Very simple things like a thermometer probe cover being going missing, you know, when they when they wanted to check the patient's temperature, the thermometer probe cover would be missing, they'd have to run to a different ward while there, they would get interrupted by someone else. So it might take them 30 minutes to actually go and check someone's temperature when it should have taken them five seconds. ECG machines going missing, medications not being delivered to the ward. So lots and lots of information on how operational failures affect hospital scenarios. Um, obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the GP working environment is of crucial interest to me and my work as a GP. Um, and we all know the stones in our shoes that we experience every day in general practice and frustrations that we give, up, give out about. But interestingly, when you look at the literature, which we did do in an earlier systematic review, we found that very little has been said on this concept of operational failures or how the work systems that we that we GPs work in and that we actually set up in many cases to work in um, don't serve us very well. So, so, so the idea for, for this paper kind of stemmed from my overlapping interest with Mary drawing on previous literature and kind of looking at this kind of huge yawning gap that was there in the literature about how our work systems don't service particularly well in many cases. Yeah, we'll get you to tell us about the findings a little bit in a minute. And um, we were just saying, I was just saying to you, I think this is an incredible paper that will speak to GPs and clinicians. Oh, you know, it's so authentically, you just recognize the kind of, as you say, the stones in our shoes is a brilliant way of putting it, a wonderful kind of um, summary of the kind of the daily kind of uh, discomforts and difficulties we experience and the stresses and the strains. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about how you did it. So, so this study was a qualitative interview study with GPs. And, and we, we embarked on this study off the back of the systematic review that showed this big silence in the literature and operational failures in general practice. So, so what we wanted to do in this study was go and just speak to GPs about, um, you know, about whether this concept of operational failures was even relevant to them, if it was something that they experienced. And we, we used an, a technique called chart-stimulated recall, in which we asked GPs to look at their 
their, their list of patients from either that morning or the previous day, if we were interviewing them in the morning. And just to kind of look through that list of patients and tell us about things that happened during those consultations that kind of stopped them in their tracks, that might have annoyed them, that kind of distracted them from what they were trying to do for that particular patient, that made them, you know, that forced them to have to leave the task or, or get someone else's involvement to try and help sort it. And by just taking that very simple approach, you know, it, it unearthed like a huge amount of, of, of very routine problems that often go unnoticed because GPs tend to work around these things very quickly or, you know, we tend to be resourceful in trying to solve these issues and just get on with things. You know, our, our GPs show that these that, that small problems, for example, missing information in patients' chart, missing letters, missing equipment in their rooms, their stethoscope having been borrowed by a colleague, these kind of things happen uh, at huge frequency and cumulatively really do add up to, to consume quite a lot of time and cause frustration and also kind of additional cognitive burden for GPs who are already hugely burdened, you know, um, in terms of the stresses of their work. Yeah, the uh, that's what I particularly like about the, some of the findings here. They're they're just the little things, and you and in many ways you feel guilty about getting angry about them when you know when you feel that frustration and you boil up a bit because there aren't urine pots in the drawer and they've not been restocked or something doesn't work or your computer freezes again was one example I think that was given, mm -hmm. and you just you, know, you think uh, you shouldn't you, sh you some, uh, sometimes you I, I, my experience is sometimes I felt guilt at feeling annoyed at those things and frustration, but as mm -hmm. you say the cumulative effect is. It is enormous. Tell us a little bit more about what other findings you you, you came up with. Yeah, so um, so I think the hospital nursing literature really showed the importance of missing equipment and supplies that didn't tend to be as important in, in this study with GPs. Um, they didn't tend to so so missing equipment and supplies were a problem, but it didn't seem to frustrate GPs as much as some other things. The main things that GPs found very disruptive in this study were missing information. Uh, so, so patients had been sent, for example, to a hospital outpatients and the information either had not returned or the information that had returned was possibly erroneous. Um, there was this concept of information clutter where GPs found they were getting so much information from so many sources that sometimes it was difficult to see the wood for the trees and actually pick out what was important for a patient. So, so the information, I suppose, processing on behalf of the people who were sending the information to GPs um, wasn't as optimal as it could be. Um, the other a huge issue that GPs experienced was technology related. So problems with the electronic health record, not being able to find information, information not being coded. Some of those problems obviously arise internal to the practice, but some are with the software design, just, you know, um, platforms not being designed in a user-friendly way, or the software actually not being supported by the computer that's running it and, and speeds running really slowly, or, you know, GPs going to maybe request blood tests and the system crashing or trying to generate a prescription and the system crashing having to reboot it, in some cases having to go to a different room. You know, these, these things which occur frequently um, can cause a GP to run 10 or 15 minutes late. And if that's early in the day, you're, you're just not going to make that time up in subsequent consultations. So the stress just builds from there on. Tell us a little bit about this idea of compensatory labour that you um, discussed in your paper. Yeah, so, so, so as I mentioned there, GPs tend to be kind of efficient and resourceful in terms of their ability to move through work. And in many cases, what we found was that GPs did not delegate the solution to these problems. So if information was missing, they were trying to pursue it themselves. If the computer you know, crashed, they would try and reboot it or solve the problem themselves. If something was missing from the consultation room, they would spend time looking around their practice for that, uh, rather than um, allocating the task to another member of staff. So GPs were taking on this kind of compensatory role for, they, I suppose compensatory labor, what it is, 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 is the work that, that um, manifests because the system is not working properly for GPs. So, so the extra efforts that GPs have to go through to try and rectify things so they can proceed with delivering patient care. 
Uh, you mentioned in the paper about sort of, you know, we all work in these, sometimes they're rather poorly designed and it's all a bit suboptimal work systems. And you described this work yawning gap, um, yawning gap between work as imagined and work as done. What, 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 mm. could explain that a, a little bit more to us. Yeah, so I, sp I suppose the, there's an idea that, you know, um, for example, maybe if the patient is referred by a GP to a hospital a situation that the patient is seen and treated and information comes back and the GP knows what follow-up might be required or what further investigations and things are required, um, that the GP might want to embark on things in their own practice and, and everything is at hand. So that's work as imagined. It's, it's how um, things are perceived to be. But the reality, obviously, is, is often very different and, and what people need to do to achieve those outcomes of a patient being seen in outpatients and then followed up in GP practice often requires far more steps and far more resourcefulness and, and workarounds in terms of first getting the patient seen and then getting the information back, getting the patient in and implementing any subsequent recommendations. So it's just the, 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 the gap there between work as imagined and, and work as done is, is, um, is the, 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 it, it's caused by... A, uh, systems that aren't working perfectly and the additional work that we need to do to try and deliver care um, as people expect it to be delivered. Yeah. So let me ask, Carol, if you, if you could, what, what group of people would you really like to put this paper in front of that could really change their, you know, change how they went about doing things? Um, I'd, I'd like to put it, I'd like to put it in front of GPs, first of all, because I think it represents GPs and I think it's, it's good for GPs to realise that their voice is being heard and that this, that that, if we can increasingly recognize this problem, which is within our own practices, it's, it's probably a first step trying to implement change or, or, or implement improvement um, on some of these problems. But, but more broadly, I think it's really important for, for, for commissioners to, to read this type of paper and look at how the world that they think general practice might be maybe is much more complicated and, um, uh, and much more kind of tricky to negotiate for, for GPs and patients alike uh, than they possibly imagine it to be. Uh, and policymakers, obviously. Yeah, there's a quote near the end for the implications in your paper, which is, you know, commissioners and poly policymakers must resist the urge to place additional responsibilities on general practice until the gap between work as imagined and work as done is better understood. And a lot of GPs, I think that'll mm. that'll ring so true to them. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, you know, in increasingly there is um, a move to move, you know, more and more long term condition management out into primary care as well as lots of other new contractual responsibilities for GPs. And while I think GPs in theory um, are happy to look at, at taking on these additional responsibilities, they're already dealing with fallout of imperfect systems in so many other areas that they really are overstretched. Uh, and unless we start kind of rectifying existing problems, we're only going to create kind of myriad future problems with every additional workload that comes without a, a, a proper appreciation of, of how systems in general practice actually function. Carol, that's a wonderful summary of um, some really excellent research, which I think really deserves to um, be widely read. And I hope it um, achieves some of those aims. It certainly deserves to. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again.